Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash bpshow. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash Show. Yes, a grand jury report that over 300 priests have molested over 1,000 children. And what's the Vatican say? No comment. How do you like that? Hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Thursday. Thursday, August 16, the Bill Press Show. Here we go. Ready to uh, rock and roll here through the next two hours, uh, catching up with the news of the day. Uh, it keep changing, keeps changing on many fronts and lots and lots to talk about, which is why we're happy to have you with us this morning as we uh, take you through the news of the day. Whether it's happening here in Washington, D.C., that's where you find us, our little studio here on Capitol Hill, whether it's happening here in Washington, D.C., around the country, around the globe, wherever news is happening, we're there and we're there with you wherever you are uh, on this uh, planet across the United States and around the world online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Also nationwide here on Free Speech TV and on the radio out in Indiana on uh, statewide on Indiana Talks and on WCPT in Chicago. Yes, the Paul Manafort jury, they start their deliberations today. Donald Trump decides to uh, change the subject. And so he fires a former uh, head CIA director, uh, John Brennan, and threatens to fire another half a dozen or so people who worked on national security issues under President uh, Obama. Uh, And the latest poll shows that uh, Democrats have a big advantage in taking back control of the House this year. Uh, Peter Ogburn is uh, off here for a couple of days. So Ray Rogers. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Keeping the ship afloat, and uh, we will get into all the news of the day with you. Uh, But first, we have, uh, don't we have a little, no, no, yes. Ah, there we go. I know. Here we go, here we go. Uh, That that, uh, just keeps me going. So I just got to tell you, I did maybe the hardest job I've ever done in my life yesterday. I started reading the audio version 
of my new book. Oh my gosh, I Got wanted to know how that was going. Yeah. Trump must go. Uh, this comes out next month. Trump, Trump must go. The top 100 reasons to dump Trump, and one to keep him. I know you can't wait to get to ha- you can't wait to get your hands on it, but it's not out yet. It doesn't come out until September 11 or 12, something like that. But uh, we're doing an audiobook, and I'm recording the audiobook. And let me tell you, it's hard work because <laughs> you're in this. I've never done it before. You're in the studio, and you've got to read uh, and give it some life. And you can't make any mistakes. If you do make a mistake, you have to go back you have and to restart. restart. Is there somebody there, kind of guiding you through this and saying, yes. "Bill, you sound a little flat." Yes, there's an editor there who is following every single word. And not only that, I mean, you know, look, we're all human, right? You might be sitting there and you don't realize it, but um, your stomach might growl. <laughs> and, and the mics pick it up. The mic picks up everything. Yeah. And I said, we better start that again. I heard a little stomach growl or something like that. Oh, my gosh. So how far did you get in Ooh. the book? Uh, I got out of, there's a 277 pages of text. I did 60 pages yesterday. In, that seems pretty good. In an um, hour and a half in the morning and then three and a half hours in the afternoon. Oh, it was two sessions. Oh, yeah. Like... It, they, they get you from 10 to 5. Yeah. Uh, that's a long time just to be sitting there reading. But, that yeah. is. That must be tough. Yeah. Uh, and in, indeed. But um, so you can figure out from there uh, how much time I would, how much time I would take, you know, to do the whole book, which probably is three more days. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a real treat to hear this book in your own voice, too. Well, the, the publisher said nobody else could read it. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Oh, my God, we're getting too much bad news about Amarosa. Let's change the subject. Let's fire somebody. Let's take away somebody's security clearance. Let's sue somebody. Anything uh, to change the subject, says Donald Trump. And he does. Yesterday, firing former CIA director John Brennan and saying, here's a whole list of other people I'm going to fire too. Not fire them, but take away their security clearances. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you today on a Thursday, Thursday, August 16. Thank you so much for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show. We are here in our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And our job is to bring you the news of the day, bring you up to date on many fronts, uh, what's happening out there. And your job is to uh, listen along, sing along, and send us your comments on Twitter about what you think about the news of the day. Your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, lots of ways for you to follow us, of course, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, and uh, our podcast, Up and Running. More and more people while listening to that podcast every day, which you should too, because that way you can catch up on stuff you might have missed or re-listen to some interviews that uh, that you particularly, li- particularly liked uh, or listen to a show a couple of days ago uh, when maybe you weren't able to tune in to the podcast by going to billpressshow.com. 
uh, sign up for the podcast while you're there, that, and that way uh, you'll hear from us throughout the day. You'll hear from us throughout the day and also uh, on the weekends with special uh, material that we put up that you don't get uh, any, won't see or hear anywhere else. Um, you can also find the podcast um, anywhere you get the rest of your podcast. Yeah, iTunes is probably iTunes, our most popular way. Right, iHeartRadio or whatever, particularly on iTunes, I guess. Yeah, yeah iTunes. And once Easy you're there, to find. Just type it in, Bill Press, and boom, there you go. Yep. Don't forget to rate and review. It means a lot to us. We take the um, the comments very much to heart. So. Yeah. And if I happen to have a day off or I'm out, uh, then I go to the podcast and catch up uh, just to be sure that the person who filled in didn't say anything mean about me. Um, because, you know, you never know. I just, and if I, <laughs> if they do, like Donald Trump, I can't take any criticism. I fire him. You them. fire him. Yeah, right. Boom. Uh, we are also, uh, of course, uh, joining you, uh, don't think I mentioned, on the radio, statewide out in Indiana on Indiana Talks and all of the greater Chicago area. Hello, WCPT. You're looking strong this morning and we're happy to be with you. Yes, indeed. So, um, I told you about uh, changing the subject. They've been trying. They want to get away from Amorosa down there at the White House. Boom, 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 boom. So um, day before yesterday when I went to the briefing, the day that Donald Trump did his tweet thanking General Kelly for firing mm, that dog, um, at that briefing, I knew they were going to do something to change the subject. And, of course, they did, tried to. Uh, they started out, they brought in three military experts or who work with the military in trying to identify the remains uh, that come back from the battlefield, particularly in this case, uh, the remains of the uh, that were returned to us from North Korea. And they did a long report on how many boxes they had, how many bones they had, making sure that these were not animal bones, uh, whether or not all these questions about they might have been Americans or maybe not Americans, and how do we find out, and how long it's going to take. By the way, a very important subject, a very sensitive subject, very important particularly uh, to honor our men and women who lost their lives there and to give their families, uh, of those of the missing, uh, some peace and some closure. But at the same time, it was pretty clear there was no reason to do it that day other than Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Donald Trump wanted to get Amorosa over the front, off the front page. It didn't work. So yesterday, they tried a new tactic. They decided they're going to go after the anybody. Of course, remember, Amorosa's biggest sin is that she criticized the president of the United States. Now, you used to be able to do that in this country, but no longer, right? That's when we were still a democracy. Now that we're a dictatorship, you can't criticize Putin or you end up in jail. You can't criticize Erdogan in Turkey or you end up in jail. You can't criticize Kim Jong-un or you end up in one of his uh, work camps. Or dead. Or dead. And you can't criticize Donald Trump or else you get sued, which Omarosa was, or you lose your security clearance, which is what happened to John Brennan yesterday. Here is Sarah Huckabee Sanders making the announcement, reading the statement on behalf of which the president, of course, forced her to read at the press briefing. Today, in fulfilling that responsibility, I've decided to revoke the security clearance of John Brennan, former director of the Central Intelligence Agency. And, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, this is, this, this is, 
This is a matter of national security, and it's the president's duty to protect Americans from people like John Brennan. The president has a constitutional responsibility to protect classified information and who has access to it. Um, and that's what he's doing is fulfilling that responsibility in this action. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, well, he may know he may know some stuff. And at one time people thought maybe it's helpful if we talk to him, but not now, not because of his erratic conduct. At this point in my administration, any benefits that senior officials might glean from consultations with Mr. Brennan are now outweighed by the risks posed by his erratic conduct and behavior. Okay. Now, first of all, um, I did say this was just a blatant attempt and a pretty transparent attempt to change the subject. I know some of you are going to think that's harsh. You're going to say, Bill, what evidence do you have of that? This is just speculation. Uh, Actually, it's not. Uh, the White House, their, their slip was showing yesterday. Um, they put out this statement announcing that uh, John Brennan's security clearance has been revoked. Uh, there was only one thing wrong with that statement. The date at the top of the statement was July 26. Oops. And somebody pointed that out, and the White House issued a new statement, a corrected statement, with the date August 15. So, oops, they had it. They decided to do it. They were waiting for the right time, and they forgot the change that they had it all ready to go. Whatever, go back and look at whatever happened on July 26. They they were going to drop it then, and the timing they didn't think was right. So they saved it until they needed it, and they felt they needed it yesterday. And let me just say, this is absolutely. You know what? This is nothing but childish revenge, childish. Retaliation uh, against a man who is—I've um, never met John Brennan, but I've seen him in the briefing room. Very smart, very intelligent, a real American patriot, served his country well, uh, but who dared say that uh, President Trump's actions in totally caving in to Vladimir Putin in Helsinki was nothing short of treasonous, uh, and it, and he ought to be impeached for it. Again, there was a time when you could stand in front of the White House and say something like that without being retaliated against. But that time is long gone, as Peter Strzok found out this week, as Omarosa found out this week, and as John Brennan found out this week uh, as well. Pure retaliation uh, to, uh, against a critic, a pure attempt to silence uh, any critic. Donald Trump showing, um, if you, if you, that's why these Republicans in Congress are cowering uh, like a bunch of scared sheep, Right. Because they're afraid if they criticize Donald Trump in any way, he'll run a candidate against them. He'll tell people not to give them money. He'll attack them on Twitter. He'll turn their his base against them in his district. Uh, this is this is his tactic. It's a real bullying tactic. Senator Mark Warner from Virginia yesterday saying, "No, it's clear uh, what this is all about. This is an attempt to again silence his critics." This is clearly another effort to silence critics and not allow the Mueller investigation and, for that matter, our Senate Intelligence Committee investigation to get to the bottom of this. Yep, right. Uh, by the way, this is another guy that John Bra- uh, that uh, President Trump called a uh, low-life, uh, yeah, John, John Brennan. Uh, but it wasn't just John Brennan. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders announcing that, um, hey, Watch out, because we're, we got John Brennan. Now we're coming after the rest of you. 
James Clapper, James Comey, Michael Hayden, Sally Yates, Susan Rice, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and Bruce Orr. Uh, a funny list. Uh, not a funny list, but a strange list uh, with some weird names on it. Uh, first of all, uh, James, all, all of these people, again, have served. Get that. I mean, th these are important jobs. These are the most, the highest national security jobs in the country. All these people have served either as head of the CIA, head of the FBI, head of the NSA, national security advisor in the White House. They, that The list includes those. Um, a couple of them, James, you'd say it's not pure revenge? James Comey and Andrew McCabe don't have a security clearance anymore because they were fired. So, I mean, what's the point of having them on this list, right? They can't take away their security clearance because they got fired. So, again, the point is just simply to say, you say anything mad, bad about me and I'm going to get you somehow. It's right. just an enemy's list, like it's, you were saying, like a schoolyard yeah. bully making a list of targets. Tar right, exactly. Um, but also, might point out that the strange name. So, James Comey, former FBI, James Clapper, NSA, Hayden, NSA, and uh, Sally Yates, who was Deputy um, Attorney General of the United States, Susan Rice, National Security Advisor under uh, President uh, Obama, um, Andy McCabe, who was Deputy Director of the FBI, Peter Strzok, veteran investigator of the FBI, who was fired uh, earlier this week. Lisa Page, who worked at the FBI, who was having the infamous affair with Peter Strzok and went back and forth on those emails. Now, the strange one is a guy that, I must tell you, I didn't know who the hell he was and how he got on the list. Bruce Orr suddenly is on the list. So Bruce Orr is on the list. He is an attorney at the Justice Department who way, way back, long before Robert Mueller's investigation, long before the 2016 election and any Russian involvement, was a friend of a guy named Christopher Steele. Hmm, that sounds familiar. And because he was a friend of Christopher Steele's and because his wife, Bruce Orr's wife, worked until September 2016 with... Fusion, GPS, who were hired to do the opposition research on Donald Trump, candidate, hired by Republican opponents to Donald Trump in the 2016 primary, hired Fusion GPS. They were then, after all the rest of the Republicans were knocked off by Donald Trump in the primary, then that contract was picked up, as we know, by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. Uh, and they had hi they hired a um, former member of the British intelligence by the name of Christopher Steele to do some work into meetings in London, allegedly, between Donald Trump representatives and some Russian operatives. His wife, Kelly Orr, worked for that firm until September 2016. So there's no, there are no charges against Bruce Orr other than he knew Christopher Steele in London, they were both involved in intelligence matters. Uh, and his wife worked for Fusion GPS, so therefore he's on the list to lose his security clearance uh, at the Justice Department. It's just, it's just, it's petty, it's retaliatory, it's childish, and it's pure Donald Trump. I mean, perhaps most frighteningly, it's, it is the behavior of a dictator. It's totally. just 
complete like a spider totally. web. Anyone connected in any fashion will be silenced. Yeah. But again, we've seen it this week with three people. Peter Strzok, FBI, fired. Right? Why? Because he did he sent a couple of emails saying during the twenty sixteen primary as a Republican saying, I can't support Donald Trump. Mm. Yeah. Lindsey Graham called him an idiot during that time. I'm surprised Lindsey Graham's still a senator. Well, of course he plays Lindsey Graham golf. said a lot more than that. Remember, he said, pick your poison. It's like being stabbed or drinking. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Scott Walker. I mean, come on. We can go down the list of people who oppose him. Chris Christie, Marco Rubio, all of whom, of course, have turned around now. But So Peter Strzok gets fired. Um, and th- then uh, Omarosa gets sued by Donald Trump's campaign. Uh, and now we have uh, John Brennan losing his security clearance again. A big attempt to change the subject. On a related subject, the jury starts deliberating today in the Paul Manafort trial over in Virginia. Closing arguments yesterday, they were uh, really, really strong arguments on the part of the uh, prosecution. Uh, The uh, prosecutor, Greg Andres, told the jury uh, that uh, painted Paul Manafort as a serial liar uh, Andres said, sort of summed it up. He said that Manafort lied to keep more money when he had it, and he lied to get more money when he didn't have it. Uh, he is uh, charged with 18 counts, Paul Manafort, 18 counts of tax fraud and bank fraud. Uh, the prosecution, again, uh, claiming, and they put forth the documents, I believe, to prove it, uh, that he had lied about fifteen million dollars, so lied about fifth, not uh, lied in order not to pay taxes on fifteen million dollars, and he lied to get twenty million dollars in fraudulent loans from from banks. A pretty clear case, and again, as we discussed yesterday a little bit, uh, the defense's position is you didn't prove your case, uh, and therefore um, he should be found not guilty. Uh, they put up no witnesses, put up no evidence, and did not have Mr. Manafort a trial to comment uh, at all. On another front, we mentioned yesterday, you know what I still find so, so troubling, uh, and that is the grand jury report out of Pennsylvania again. Uh, they looked at the, the state attorney general there, asked the grand jury to investigate um, allegations of... Um, pedophilia, allegations of sexual abuse on the part of priests in the state of Pennsylvania. They looked into the records in six out of eight dioceses in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, and they found, as we reported yesterday, some over three cases of over 300 priests molesting over 1,000 little boys and little girls uh, over a period of 70 years, and particularly troubling, they found a, a set pattern of bishops knowing what the priests were up to and either reassigning them or letting them stay in their in in their jobs uh, without notifying um, law enforcement authorities in fact uh, that's that we've learned since yesterday that there was there's they, they got all these documents from the grand jury and the paperwork actually so all the records of these priests and what they were up to were kept in what the bishops 
in Pennsylvania knew as the secret archives. That's what they called them, the secret archives. So they didn't have the title sexual abuse or anything. In it. No, these are the secret archives. Um, they never talked about rape or sexual abuse or molestation. Uh, they used the phrase boundary issues. So the secret archives is where they kept all the record of all the boundary issues. I think they all... I that think euphemism AP, they use. A, yeah. Another yeah. euphemism that they use that uh, AP News was reporting on. I think they just simply glossed it over and called it um, misconduct. Hmm. Not even sexual misconduct, just misconduct. And there were specific instructions, explicit rather, instructions, don't call the police. Like every page. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't call the police. And again, there's a whole string of bishops in every diocese, not just today's bishops, but the ones before them and the ones before them, who um, covered up covered up these abuses on the part of the priest. One of whom, and I find this particularly troubling, was um, a bishop by the name of Bishop Whirl, who's in Pittsburgh. Bishop Whirl is now the cardinal of Washington, D.C., and they document several cases where he knew what the priest had done, and he did not call the police. He reassigned that priest to another parish, Cardinal Whirl, Washington, D.C. He denies it. The grand jury report identifies him by name, again, which is particularly troubling because Cardinal Whirl took the place of Cardinal McCarrick. Cardinal McCarrick, who was forced to resign, no longer a cardinal, was forced to was thrown out of the College of Cardinals last week because it came out that he personally, and they don't say this about Cardinal Whirl, but that he, McCarrick, personally was guilty of abusing young men, seminarians and young priests, when he was uh, a younger man. This is just disgusting. And then they asked the Vatican, what do you think about this? Here's the state of Pennsylvania. This is just one state and over 300 priests and all these bishops. And what are you going to do about it? And the Vatican's only comment was, no comment. No comment? Why the hell not? Why not, why not at least condemn it, right? Why not, at least, why not clean house? And until they do, I, I don't think Catholic Church has any credibility. I, I completely agree, Bill. I mean, yesterday they had images of the Pope coming out and greeting people at the Vatican, and he offered his condolences to the um, people who had passed during the bridge collapse in Italy. And it's like good for him, good for him, of course. But it's like here is supposedly the most progressive in tune pope ever, potentially of our lifetime. And he still doesn't get it. He just continues the pattern. He's got a blind spot when it comes to this. Absolutely. Total. And he's got not such great history himself. Uh, There were cases that he knew about and also just uh, didn't do anything when he was archbishop uh, down in Argentina. Wasn't Argentina? I think so. Yeah. I believe so, South America at any rate. Uh, interesting new poll out today from CNN, uh, a group that uh, does their polling called SSRS. Looking at, uh, this is good news for Democrats coming out of the primaries. Um, and again, in those primaries we mentioned yesterday, which were really, really uh, very exciting uh, on, on Tuesday, uh, particularly for the first uh, among the Democrats. Uh, Democrats really made history on several fronts. Uh, the first transgender uh, candidate for governor in the country um, up in uh, Vermont, also in Connecticut, 
a woman who will be the first African-American. Her name is Johanna Hayes. She was the 2016 Teacher of the Year um, back under, uh, uh, honored, so honored in the Rose Garden by President Barack Obama. I was there. Um, she will be the first African-American woman ever uh, to serve for the state of Connecticut in the United States Congress. And out in Minnesota, Elon Omar, a state legislator, will be the one of the first two because there's another woman from, uh, forget now, but and she will be one of the first two Muslim American women to serve, Muslims to serve, Muslim women to serve in the United States Congress. Uh, so in light of that, uh, CNN did a poll saying, okay, who do you want to take over the uh, House of Representatives? Republicans or Democrats nationwide, uh, that poll showed the, the biggest gap yet in favor of Democrats nationwide. According to CNN, 52% of Americans want to see Democrats take back the House. Only 41% prefer that the House remain uh, in Republican control. They didn't ask about the Senate. I believe this is about the House. Uh, but I also found interesting what issues people said uh, are the most important for them this year. And it wasn't in a list of one, two, three, four, five in terms of importance, but which issues would you identify as extremely important as you consider voting in the midterm elections? On top, health care. Health care. No wonder. It's a good issue for Democrats, an important issue for Americans, uh, but politically a good issue for Democrats because Dem Republicans have nothing, done nothing but chip away, pound away at uh, the one form of national health care we've ever had, the closest, namely Obamacare. And they want to do away with Medicaid, with Medicare, and people are starting to really get worried about their families and their coverage. And with Kavanaugh, potentially, as well. Kavanaugh in there, right. Uh, the economy, 80% said the economy is extremely important. Um, guns, 73%. Interesting. Taxes, 71%. Not, that surprises me. Not number one. I'm surprised it's that high. Um, but here's what did surprise me. Immigration, 44%. But I thought with no all No climate? No uh, environment? I didn't see that on the list, actually. Hmm. Um, whether they asked it or not, it wasn't reported in the, in the, in the story that I saw. And 60% of, of Americans, according to that um, poll, believe that... Uh, in the midterm elections of 2018, there will be some meddling on the part of some foreign government. Yeah, so people do believe that the Russians did it in 2016 and believe. And when they say some foreign government, yeah, we know what they're talking about. And the other thing, uh, the other poll, not a poll so much, but CNN does something um, uh, through the fixer that that they um, they rate and they do this like every month or so, what they call the power rank. They rank the candidates for president looking at 2020 in the rest of those that are showing the most power and therefore have the strongest chance of becoming the Democratic nominee in 2020. Now, that's based on a whole amount of things about how much media attention they're getting, how much money they're raising, how seriously they're taken, how much people are talking about them, and it's way, way, way early. I thought it was interesting to kind of kick around. Let me just leave you the names and, and you think about them and see where you would rank these different people. In order of 
the most powerful people looking at 2020. They ranked them, and this is ranking in power from the most powerful down to the least among these 10 or so. Number one, Joe Biden. Two, Elizabeth Warren. Three, Kamala Harris. Four, Kirsten Gillibrand. Five, only five, Bernie Sanders. Uh, six, Deval Patrick. Seven, Cory Booker. Eight, Eric Garcetti, mayor of L.A., making the list for the first time. Uh, nine, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. And 10, Steve Bullock. Who, who he? Governor of Montana. Democratic governor of Montana. Good guy, but seriously, Montana? What do they have? Two electoral votes? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know about Joe Biden, Bill. I don't know either. I'm surprised. But, I I mean, look, I love him, and Democrats do love him. Uh, But Steve Bullock, yeah, come on, number 10. Notice, not on the list, uh, our good friend Terry McAuliffe, not on the list, former governor of Virginia. Jay Inslee, now the governor of Washington, uh, not on the list. Uh, Eric Holder, not on the list either. Uh, and John Delaney, that's right, that uh, congressman from Maryland who is already running. Uh, he didn't make the list either. But So we got lots and lots to talk about. Let's take a quick break and uh, take a, more, a closer look at the political scene on the other news of the day with Lorraine Wallert from Politico. Covers the White House for Politico. And boy, was that where the action was yesterday. Just getting started here on a Thursday, August 16. Good to have you with us. Don't go away. Quick break. We'll be right back. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. All right, can you believe it? It's already 16th of August, uh, 2018. Man, the kids will soon be going back to school if they're not already back to school. It is uh, frightening, frightening. Um, but great to see you today with lots and lots to uh, talk about here on The Bill Press Show. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., uh, capital of the free world, where we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers, good men and women of the AFT, making a difference uh, in the classrooms every day, you bet. And they are very, very excited by uh, one of their members up in Connecticut. I want to grab her name again. Who Ron Hayes. What's that? Yahan Hayes. Yeah, thank you. Yes, Lorraine she was, Waller uh, here from Politico. Yahan right. Hayes, who was the Teacher of the Year. That's right. Member of the AFT in 2016, and now she will be uh, the first African American woman uh, from in Congress from the state of Connecticut. Yeah, it was a, a surprise upset, um, you know, in a way because the other candidate, um, Glass, Glass Maria Glassman, had been um, endorsed literally by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and um, didn't. Didn't help her. Didn't push her over. No. Uh, that was interesting. <laughs> the U.S. Chamber intervened in a Democratic primary. That's right. Right. So at any rate, uh, the AFT, thank you. Congratulations. Uh, thanks for your support of the program. Um, and as you hear, Lorraine Waller joins us from Politico, whose regular beat is the White House. Uh, and boy, there's a lot happening down at the White House. I'd say the last couple of the briefings the last couple of days have been um, <laughs> pretty explosive, Lorraine, yeah, yeah. to say the least. Uh, let's listen again, Ray, if we can, to... Um, so let me back up. The day before yesterday, um, I was there. I couldn't. I had to go because uh, 
I just had to see if Sarah Huckabee Sanders could really defend Donald Trump's tweet when he called Omarosa a dog and congratulated General Kelly for firing that dog. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking in, I'm thinking, can she really defend us? Will she really defend it? And of course she could and she did. But first, she trotted in three members from the military to talk about Korean war remains, anything to change the mm -hmm. subject. That's right. So that didn't work. So yesterday, more questions about Omarosa. They find another way to change the subject. Here she is making her big announcement by reading a statement from the president. Today, in fulfilling that responsibility, I've decided to revoke the security clearance of John Brennan, former director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Sorry, there's a loop going on there. A loop going on there, but we got uh, we got mainly uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So what's the deal here, Lorraine? <laughs> what's uh, the deal? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is a pretty blatant attempt to talk about something else, isn't it? Well, it's uh, yes, it is that, of course, partially. But, you know, it also underneath it is all of these things have something in common, which is silencing critics, right? I mean, of course, that's what's the ultimate thing that's going on. Um, and it's getting kind of frightening, right? Um, you know, distract distracting us from or t attempting to distract the public from the news is one thing. But um, in the last week, we've seen several examples of how the White House is trying to silence people. And to me, that's like that's the news in and of itself. And for example, for example, um, Omarosa has um, yeah. le let us know that everybody in the White House or some people in the White House need to sign non-disclosure agreements, um, mm -hmm. which allow them, you know, which require them not to disparage the president and not to talk about their forever at the White House forever. That's correct. Right. Um, she was offered money to keep quiet. Uh, she didn't take it. Uh, and then, you know, just yesterday, and then uh, Brennan, uh, former CIA director, getting a security clearance revoked. Why? Because the president doesn't like what he's saying. Right. So it's attempt to silence critics. Peter Strzok. Yes, another one. Yes, fired from fired the FBI. from the FBI. Right. Um, one of the people on Probably the president's dumb, list. Dumb on his part yeah. to issue these emails. He was working for the FBI, but at the same time, he was hardly the only Republican in 2016 who had some not such so nice things to say about candidate Donald Trump. That's right. <clears throat> and then one of the guys on the list um, yesterday is a somebody who's currently employed at the Justice Department. So does that imply that he's going to lose his job? You know, Sarah said no, but, um, well, she didn't say no. She said yeah. he's just on he's the on list. He's on the list. He's under consideration, right? Right, right. Yeah, we mentioned uh, him earlier. Uh, you're referring to Bruce Orr. When I saw his name, I didn't know who the hell he was, right? No. And I had to do a little research. Who's this guy? <laughs> you're right. He's an attorney at the Justice Department now. I question whether he even has a top security clearance. I mean, in his job at the Justice Department, he's not necessarily dealing with top NSA CIA secrets I don't think right I, I don't I don't know but you know but, if, if he doesn't but, have a clearance he wouldn't be the only one on the list who doesn't have a clearance right, right. Comey's on the list Comey's on the list no clearance <laughs> no because clearance. he was fired Andy McCabe's on right. the list no right. no no security clearance right. because he was he so was fired what as can well. we take what, what can we take away from this list um, <laughs> the president probably just you know, dictated it to somebody and they just threw it out there you know well, um, I what I found most interesting about this, because uh, like you, right away I said, uh-oh, this is the classic uh, Trump movement here. Two things. 
One is change the subject, and two is if Sedmay says anything critical of you, and this goes back to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, how do you deal with it? You pay them off. Mm-hmm. That's right. Money buys silence, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I guess is a step better than uh, Vladimir Putin, who would just kill them, or Kim Jong Un, who would kill them or put them in a work camp for the yeah. rest of their yeah. life, it's right? So better. I guess we. Yeah. It's a step better, for sure. Better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what happens when the well, person won't yeah. take your money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? well, then what? We'll find out from Amorosa. <laughs> yeah. They've sued right. her. Uh, they, the campaign yeah. has. Yep. Yeah. They, they're taking, the campaign is forcing her into arbitration per a contract she signed, a non-disclosure she signed when she was on the campaign. On the campaign. Yeah. And that non-disclosure agreement, too, said for the rest of your life you can't say anything bad about Donald, Donald Trump. Trump or his wife or anybody anybody in the family or anybody who worked in the campaign. <laughs> I mean, you, right. just can't, you just can't do that. Right. I mean, well, we'll see. Um, but but yeah, clearly, I mean, it, it's pretty clear that um, the NDAs um, among White House employees, like, probably aren't enforceable, um, aren't le- aren't binding, aren't legal because these are government employees, and you can't make, you know, you, you can't curtail free speech rights um, as a condition for working for the U.S. government. It's just. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, th- I absolutely agree. When you say the U.S. government, you're talking about the people of the, the American people. I mean, there is a difference. If you're working for right. General Motors or you're working for Amazon or you're working for some little chemical company or whatever, or some accountants, accountancy, they could, they could get you to sign an NDA. If you're an employee of that company, mm-hmm. you cannot talk about anything you learned while working in that company or can not disparage or say bad things about that product or whatever, mm-hmm. right? It's different when you're working with the American people and your job is to, you take an oath to uphold the Constitution, not to be loyal for the rest of your life. To an individual. To any, indiv- any individual. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, no. So, I mean, I think this whole idea of signing them. And- People have been pretty clear, I think, in the White House that they put these together because the president asked for them. Right. But they also told him when they gave them to him, you know, Mr. President, these are worthless. Yeah. Can't enforce them. Yeah. And don't even try. Right. Of course, he will try. Right. But it's, again, like another example of the president just doing whatever he feels like doing, um, you know, damn the consequences. And, um, you know, in this case and others, you know, the staff will dutifully— you know, do the, you know, do what he asks, even though it's wrong, um, and that's also uh, you know, bothers me. Well, uh, so uh, uh, the whole thing with the Brennan thing, I would then uh, I didn't realize this because I was personally not the briefing yesterday. Didn't see the document, but Major Garrett reported uh, from the White House that when they first handed it out. Uh, it was, you know, I'm revoking John Brennan's security clearance, and the date at the top was July 26. <gasps> wow. So they, they had were going to do this before. It just proves categorically that they saved it until they needed something to change the subject. And a couple of reporters said, what's this, July 26? So they issued a second statement. The only di- There was not one word different except the date the was date. August 15. Well, and that, you know... <laughs> And, and Busted. He can't play all of his cards at once, Bill. Busted. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, they had a month to think about it, and they still did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, as you said, mentioned, then they put Bruce Orr on the list. We don't want Scott on how. But uh, I think people are getting used to their <laughs> used to their games right by now. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, it was, I thought, instructive, too, that um, so far as we've been able to follow, there was just one member of one Republican in Congress, Jeff Flake of Arizona, who said, uh, no, calling Amoroso dog was not such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Everybody else just looked the other way. Yeah, yeah. Um, his language, especially against women, is horrible, as we know. Um, and uh, the way he the way he uses adjectives to describe <laughs> to describe women, even when they're you know positive adjectives like beautiful or lovely, you know they're couched in a um, a sort of uh, chilling way. I yeah. I didn't. Uh, of course, she is not the first to be called a dog. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Gail Collins, columnist for the New York Times yeah. this morning, <laughs> way back when he was just a businessman, a real estate developer in New York, her column this morning is a fact. She says, I'm beginning to worry that when I die, the highlight of my obituary will be that I was once called a dog by Donald Trump. Uh, he, she had written a column for Newsday critical of him as a re- developer uh, he sent back a copy of the column, she says, scrawled with objections along with an announcement that I was a dog and a liar and that my picture was the face of a pig. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, you know, <sighs> we knew this before, right? He got yeah, to the White House did... and he hasn't changed. Yeah, we did know this before. Like, this is not surprising, but and yet, and yet it continues to shock you know, every day there's a new example, and it's just, it's just you know, it's just shocking. <laughs> but, so have, How c- have we gotten to the point where, the, the, back again, the, the, just Jeff Flake would be the only one to say, no, this is not language becoming of the president of the United States. Have we really gotten to the point where people just accept this as the new normal, and isn't that a problem? Um, I hope not. I don't think we're there yet. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here talking about it is, you know, one example, but... Um, I, you know, don't judge, uh, don't judge sort of normalcy by what Congress says, <laughs> right? Yeah. That, you know, especially Republicans in Congress. I mean, they've been quiet since day one. I mean, almost none of them criticize the president on anything. Uh, it's outrageous. And, um, you know, there's a whole Republican movement to try to get um, more Republicans to speak up against the president um, when he does things like this. So, um, people in, in Congress and the Senate, I, I, you know, they they are keeping quiet. They're putting their heads down. It's a, it's a it's a sad sort of fearful, I think, response to the president. Um, and you know, but don't I wouldn't judge like the public's reaction. You know, wouldn't use that as sort of a an example of like how the public thinks. Right. Yeah. Rain Waller's with us from Politico. It's Politico. Dot com. Um, so now uh, with uh, with the president, I mean, it's hard to tell what his priorities are at this point other than um, trying to get as many Republicans who support him elected in these primaries across the country, governor, mm-hmm. senator, Congress, yeah. particularly yeah. looking for the Trumpers and, and even um, interceding in some Republican primaries get the Trumper elected over the mainstream Republican. If you Correct. Know. Right. That's to the extent of, that there are any of those left. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of his uh, big agenda over the next couple months, a uh, few months. And, um, you know, obviously getting Kavanaugh through the um, 
right. uh, Brett thank, Kavanaugh thank through yeah, the yeah. Uh, Senate, uh, get a, uh, another Supreme Court Supreme Court uh, appointee. Uh, that's going to be powerful. That does help the Republican base uh, significantly, and they've done a lot on judges. Um, so uh, you know that we do have some you know legislative efforts. We don't know they're going to go anywhere. Tax reform 2.0 uh, is sort of hanging out there. Not clear whether there's enough, you know, time or willpower to get that through. Um, and the president has actually, and Co- Jared Kushner's son-in-law have actually been working on prison reform. Uh, and there is a big push to try to get something on that, but it's, um, you know, looking unlikely before the midterms. That would be potentially, you know, something the president could use on the well, campaign trail. Well, how can Jared Kushner uh, get that done when he's also? bringing peace, peace to the Middle East. Middle peace is probably on the back burner for a couple months. That's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he'll get back to that in, you know, November. <laughs> uh, yeah, the man who's going to solve all of, uh, all of America's problems, right? Well, we're well on our way yeah. to, yeah, Middle peace. But it seems that, back to these endorsements and things, that, that where the president really does shine, and I think he's at his best, which I still don't find very good, uh, at these campaign rallies. Yeah, sure. He loves it. I mean, it's clear he's in his element in these places. Um, uh, you know, but he doesn't always, he goes to these events and they're ostensibly for candidates. And um, he does sometimes fails to mention the candidate's name or kind of gives the candidate sort of side word, you know, endorsement. Um, I'm not sure his appearances are actually helping the candidates. I don't know. Uh, no, that's a very good question. Well, yeah. You know, we did see in Florida where he endorsed Ron DeSantis that that certainly has boosted mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis' chances. Um, but um, in Ohio 12, for example, he went out there at the last minute. I was talking to John John King at CNN uh, a couple of days ago, and John King said in terms of Republican turnout, uh, there was no appreciable improvement given the appearance of Donald Trump. So whoever came to these right. rallies or whatever, there were people who were already going to vote or it didn't. Right. It didn't serve as the boost that they felt they needed to decisively win that. Ohio 12 still hasn't been decided, even though Troy Balderson may eke it out, you know, by less than a thousand votes or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, you it can't may credit be that, Donald Trump right. for the win. I mean, it may be that he's reached his limit, right? I mean, there's a core group of supporters that will never leave him, um, but there's probably a, you know a larger group that will never ever you know. Um, do anything he says, right? So, um, it, you know, the, we heard we heard from some candidates that they didn't want him in their districts, and that you know, some moderate districts that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he he's probably reached the limit. It makes him happy to go on these rallies, gets him airtime. You know, he like you said, he's in his element. But what it does for the party, not so clear. Uh, yeah. And certainly not growing the party right. or, growing, yeah. or growing the base. Right. All right. So the other big story, and it's related, even though they keep, keep saying it's not uh, today, is in Alexandria, Virginia. The jury is, they get the case today. Mm-hmm. They start their deliberations today. They've heard the closing arguments. They've heard the instructions from the judge. Now they take it. Uh, and so just from, um, I imagine, like you, like I, have not been anywhere near that courthouse. Right, that's right. So from what we read, what we see, what we pick up, what's your gut about how strong a case Robert Mueller has? Uh, well, 
And then let's talk about yeah. what it means for the Trump White House. Okay. But they, uh, yeah, it's been a zoo over there. I live not far from there, uh, from the courthouse, and it's been crazy. The streets are shut down. Um, but the uh, look, this seems like a pretty um, straightforward case of bank fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, Manafort and tried tax to, fraud and tax fraud. Manafort tried to get loans that he he lied in an attempt to get loans um, uh, it, to, as his you know as his empire was sort of failing, and he um, lied on his apparently uh, lied on his tax returns according to the prosecution. So you know in this case really has nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with Trump's former campaign manager. Um, you know, potentially committing tax fraud or bank fraud. So, uh, okay, uh, the Manafort's defense team didn't even bring anyone, any witnesses up to mount a defense for him, which was kind of interesting. So they probably thought they didn't need to. Yeah. You know, to me, that makes him look weak. Uh, and some attorneys say, no, that's uh, a way of making him look strong, that mm-hmm. our case, our defense is so strong we don't have to put it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, really, adversely, I think, that they're case against our client is so weak we don't even have to refute it exactly yeah um but they you know i think roll of the dice yeah it is a roll of the dice but the jury's jury's now out it's we're we could hear it as soon as today Mm -hmm. now what this means for trump this trial has gone so fast yeah a lot faster than Mm -hmm. people thought yeah that the jury could they could decide by noon yeah it could be any uh, uh, i think the longer they take the worse it is for robert Mueller. I agree with that. If it takes them a long time, yeah, then then yeah. Uh, the prosecution didn't do its job. Yeah, there are, that means doubts have been raised about yeah, mm-hmm. the prosecution's case. Um, you know what happens when if if what happens if he's found guilty? Um, you know, does Trump <laughs> does Trump defend him and use it to to um, attack Manafort, or does Trump like he has with so many other def- uh, attack Mueller? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, well, yeah, oh, use oh. it to I'm sorry, use it to attack, attack Mueller. But or does Trump do what he's done with so many of his other, you know, former loyal friends and colleagues? Does he cut them loose and say, you know, I know I don't even know this person, never saw him before. You know, he's a dog or whatever animal you want to assign to him. If I had known that, I would never have hired him or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, but, you know, if he wins, of course, uh, uh, Trump, you know, has has a good day. Obviously, he can. Ratchet up the volume on the anti-Mueller rhetoric. Um, it proves that Mueller doesn't know what he's talking it, it about. It's a witch, a witch hunt. hunt. Yes. Yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot riding on this. There story. is a lot, even though it's you know a basic, vin- plain vanilla tax and fraud case, not political. It has a lot of political implications. Uh, I thought the uh, prosecution, uh, Greg Andrus, lead prosecutor, summed it up yesterday, talking about. Um, Manafort as a serial liar. He said he lied to keep more money when he had it, and he lied to get more money when he didn't have it. <laughs> so it didn't matter whether he was in clover or out of clover. He was lying to, to get more money. Get more money. Yeah, yeah. and, and a whole lot of money. Yeah. yeah, his condo over on the river in Alexandria is pretty nice. Oh, is that been, right? Yeah, been oh, in that you, building, uh, not in his unit, but it's a nice, nice place. Yeah, right nice, on the river. Isn't right it? on the river. Yeah. Yeah, what a sleazy <laughs> Uh, but it's it, but and then you didn't even mention uh, the fact there's a the the of course the potential of a pardon out there that's hanging, which yeah. it will be hard for hard for Donald Trump to resist, I think. Uh, well, I mean, if he can pardon Joe or Pio, he could pardon Paul Manafort. But does you know it, you know 
Paul Manafort might have hurt Trump. You know, Joe, Joe Par- yeah. Arpaio has never hurt Trump. So I don't know how you know forgiving he's going to feel with Manafort. I don't know. Yeah. And then, of course, Manafort, whatever happens at this trial, there is still a second trial coming up uh, in, in Washington next month. On related charges, whatever. Yeah. And then we still have also one of the key witnesses in Manafort's trial, uh, Rick Gates, who has made a, you know, made a deal to testify. Um, and so who knows what else he has. What do you think the chances are that Rudy, as Rudy Giuliani says, Paul, we're going to see the final report from Paul Manafort, from Robert Mueller by September 1? Look, there is no deadline. Okay. Let's be very clear. Mueller can do his work as long as he has to. Um I don't know why. I don't. I don't agree that there's necessarily pressure on Mueller to hit a certain date. Mm, no, Rudy's trying to put it on yeah. there, but yeah, yeah, Mueller's just doing his job, I believe. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what craziness comes out of the White House today, Lorraine. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Bill. You can follow Lorraine and all of our good friends at Politico at Politico.com. Ray Locker comes next as good friend of Bill for the next hour. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Here we go on a Thursday, August 16. Hello, everybody. Yes, indeed. Faced uh, with charges or a report by a grand jury in Pennsylvania that um, who documented over a thousand cases of sexual abuse of minors on the part of over 300 priests. The Vatican yesterday, the best they could do was say no comment. Yeah. On that sad note, we begin another edition of the Bill Press Show. It's good to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, with all the news of the day. Uh, And there is lots to talk about. Yes, that report from the grand jury in Pennsylvania, the Paul Manafort case. Uh, The jury has the case. They begin deliberations uh, just about an hour from now. Uh, The way they're going over there (laughs) with a judge cracking the whip, they could have their, they could decide by noon today uh, the fate of Paul Manafort and of course uh, the fate of Robert Mueller and related maybe even uh, the fate of Donald Trump. Uh, Yes, John Brennan Former director of the CIA had his security clearance ripped from him yesterday by Donald Trump in retaliation for John Brennan's critical remarks. Uh, John Brennan out with a blistering op-ed today on the New York Times uh, online page uh, accusing the president of just doing this out of petty retaliation uh, and trying to silence his critics, which, of course, is what it's all about. 
So we're just getting started. Ray Locker joins us here this hour as a friend of Bill, and then we'll be joined by Alice Alstein from Talking Points Memo uh, a little bit later. Peter Ogburn, uh, out. Um, God knows where he is. I, I think he's playing golf with Donald Trump today. I think that's what he said in so, his note goodbye. He said out of office playing Trump uh, uh, golf. Playing golf, yeah. Um, who knows? But at any rate, Peter's not around, so Ray Rogers in charge today. We'll get right to the news of today with you. But first, we've been at it for a while, and uh, a lot of comments coming in. Yeah, right? we have lots of comments rolling in on the topic of the Pope and the Vatican. We put up a poll on our Twitter account, so if you would like to weigh in, it's at BP Show. Um, we posed the question, was it a surprise that both uh, Pope Francis and the Vatican at large uh were silent after the Pennsylvania report came to light. 27% of you so far say yes, that it is surprising. And 73% of you say no. So that will be going on for the next day. Feel free to leave us comments on that and have your vote heard. But we also it's sad that 73% would say no. No, they're not surprised because... We haven't seen. I mean, the, the track record is not on the Catholic the, Church's side. They, yeah, yeah. This is sort of status quo at this point. Over the years, they've always attempted to sweep it under the rug. We mentioned yesterday the movie Spotlight, which exactly. shows how they tried to do it in Boston. Thanks to the Boston Globe, they didn't get away with it. Exactly. So we also have people weighing in um, in our chat room on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We have one of our regulars, Susan Flagg. Hey, Susan, thanks for always um, getting up with us every morning and talking to us. She says, this fiasco in the church is disgusting. However, not a surprise. They need to be held accountable. But also consider the children in cages at the border. They, too, are being exploited both sexually and otherwise which is point, a sobering but true point. We also have Donna Miller, another regular, saying, hey, why is Bolton making a trip to Russia? We have a right to know. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, 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 I don't like this trend. Suddenly everybody's going to Russia. Richard Shelby had a whole group of senators there on July 4th. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, of course, was a big love fest with Putin in Helsinki. And then Rand Paul goes off delivering a letter from President Trump to Vladimir Putin. Now John Bolton's going over there. Yeah, who knows what John Bolton is up to? I'd like to know. I'd like That's to know, too, point. and I think you're right, Donna. We do have a right to know. So keep those comments coming, folks. Uh, we love hearing from you uh, on Twitter and in our chat room uh, as well. Again, on this August 16th, lots to talk about, and Ray Locker joins us from USA Today. A quick break, and we will be right back here. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, uh, there's too much talk about Amorosa. What can we do to change the subject? Oh, hey, here's an idea. Let's rip the security clearance away from John Brennan. <laughs> so blatant, so evident. Oh, so petty. Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show on a Thursday, Thursday, August 16. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, with all the news of the day, all the antics of the day from the White House, uh, and the Senate back in town as well. little action on Capitol Hill after uh, both House and the Senate were out for a couple of weeks. We've got it all covered, and we will bring you the news of the day and look forward to hearing from you on Twitter. Your comments 
as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you on television on Free Speech TV and on the radio out in the greater Chicago area. Hello, WCPT. And join me in saying hello to uh, our good friend, Ray Locker, Washington Enterprise Editor. I love that title. From USA Today. Hey, Ray, what's going on? Oh, man. I it's mean, summer. Why are you in Washington? Uh, I was out of Washington oh, last good. week. Oh, now cool. I'm back. All right. Okay. You know. Yeah. I mean, everybody deserts the swamp. In, uh, Except the, for all the people who are on my metro train today. <laughs> I was very up close and personal with some of my friendly neighbors. Uh, these are not good days for uh, those. That's insider, insider, inside baseball here for sure. But uh, our metro is uh, doing some major renovations and repairs these days. And particularly the lines that come right close here. to here yeah. are all single tracking, which means it's like a 15 to 20 minute wait for yeah. a train. Yeah, yeah, that that can slow you. that can slow you down. Yeah, that can mess up your commute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I used to go down to the White House, and I just usually you know hop on there right. three trains, and and at the most usually wait for two or three minutes for exactly. a train. Yeah, and so you count on that. Not and today. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was a uh, um, there's so much. We were just talking about news of the day. There's so much news, it's hard to know where to start. But let's start with Paul Manafort. What do you think? Jury's not going to take long, huh? Um, You know, it seems like a pretty simple case. You have all the stuff around Manafort related to Trump and all the accusations surrounding the president. But when you get right down to it, this is a simple tax evasion case. He had a lot of undeclared income. He didn't pay taxes for it. There's a lot of cases. Examples of they fraud. say fifteen million. Yeah, that he avoided taxes on fifteen million. Yeah, you know, and then you got the ostrich jacket and all <laughs> the other stuff that looks like something out of a nineteen eighties members only catalog. Um, it's you know pretty seamy. And then his you know top lieutenant turned on him, and he has issues of his own, as all people like that do. Um, yeah, and the judge's behavior in a case has been. To you know, keep things moving quickly, and a lot of people are like, "Is he trying to throw the case?" I don't really think so. I think the jurors can look at this and make up their minds one way or the other. He seems like a crotchety old guy who, yeah, yeah, he's gone after the prosecution, but if the defense had presented a case, he probably would have gone after them as well. They right? presented no case. No they had case. no witnesses. I was just going to say, is that so? Do you see that as a smart political? I mean, legal maneuver or? Uh, I don't know if it's smart. It might be a necessity. Who's oh. going to be his witness? <laughs> Who's going to say it didn't happen? You know, you're going to believe me or your lying eyes. Look at all, you know, all the evidence they presented, all the documents, the ledgers, et cetera. You know, you can't explain that away. It's very hard to explain it away. So what you have to do is impeach the credibility of the witnesses against Manafort, specifically Rick Gates, his partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some lawyers say, no, this is smart because uh, this is a, your way of telling the jury, look, it's up to the prosecution to present their case guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, and they obviously didn't do it. Their case is so weak, we don't even have to respond. Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. I think you do that. You, you believe that if you got nothing else to believe. You know, you go at the witnesses, you try to damage their credibility. In this case, Gates, the main guy. Everybody else kind of got off fairly unscathed. I mean, you're the accountant who works for him. You're going to say X, Y, and Z. Right. You know, unless you did something hinky in terms of your accounting, 
What are you going to say about that person? Okay, so let's play the uh, speculation game, which we're never supposed mm-hmm. to do, but anyhow, this is talk radio. Um, he's found guilty. He's found not guilty. What's the impact? Uh, not guilty. Tons of crowing from the White House about Mueller out of control, not making his case. Look how he's victimized these people. Not to, Definitely not good for Mueller if he's yeah, found not, not guilty. Good. No, we are, he's got another case against Manafort. Yeah, he does, but when you lose, if you lose the first one... You never want to lose. Yeah, yeah. Um, If it's a mistrial, Ooh. you know, then then well. what happens? You know, you know they're going to try him again. They're going to hope they get a different judge. If it's a mistrial, Trump's response is the same. Yes. Meaning, it oh, yeah. proves that Mueller doesn't know what he's doing. It's a witch hunt. Bum, bum, Trump bum, bum, could bum. say that about any any verdict. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's you know? true, too. Um, right. But if it's a mistrial or a, or a win for Manafort and an acquittal, then the White House will go nuts. Mm-hmm. And who can blame him? I mean, I would too. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I do think that would you know undercut. Um, and and if he's found guilty, then Trump will just say, "I, I didn't know him. <laughs> he barely worked for me. Who is this man? You know." Paul who? <laughs> right, which he's been doing. You know, so we, we've seen all the reactions already. We know we can pick from whatever column we want. Right. So yesterday um, we uh, so walk into the uh, briefing room and uh, there are going to be questions about Omarosa and who knows what when suddenly they drop the bombshell. Um, right. Do we have a clean cut of that? Uh, yes. This is uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders who's reading a statement from the President of the United States. Today, in fulfilling that responsibility, I've decided to revoke the security clearance of John Brennan, former director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Why? Why? Because Brennan is a prominent critic of the president. There's no other reason. He didn't violate any kind of security. He didn't breach his security clearance. He didn't do anything wrong. He's not suspected of being a communist or a member of ISIS or anything else. He's not J. Robert Oppenheimer, the nuclear scientist from World War II who lost his clearance in 1954 because of a lot of you know speculation about his past associations, yeah. which were legitimately debatable. There's nothing in Brennan's background that shows that he violated his clearance, that he's violated the security of the United States. The only thing that he did is violate you know Donald Trump's sense of propriety. Um, and that's not going to stop. And Brennan's not going to be able to unknow all of the classified information he knows over decades mm-hmm. of service in the CIA. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the New York Times reports this morning that the clearances are typically revoked when they are. And it's rare. Yeah. Because of a security concern like alcoholism, financial problems, health concerns, or the mishandling of classified material. Well, it seems like uh, the president's got two of those taken care of, the mishandling of classified material. He gave it to the Russians last year in the right. Oval Office, yeah. blew an Israeli intelligence source. Right. He's had myriad financial problems. Mm-hmm. He may still have them now. We don't know. Uh, um, and the others he are he may know. have some health concerns. Uh, yeah. we, how, alcoholism, you can probably clear him right. of that he one. He does not drink. And that, I mean, uh, sometimes so. he may seem like he is. No, he's doing that unaided by alcohol. Um, do you give any credence to the, um, but which a lot of people are saying this is also an attempt to get us, you and me, talking about something other than Omarosa? No, I don't believe that because this is a pattern that this president has been through for years. I mean, he talks about multiple things all the time. I don't think 
that he is displaying a grand strategy, and we're going to still talk about Omarosa because she's still got more tapes. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We are. Yeah. Uh, I do want to point out, Major Garrett reported this, Garrett reported this last night uh, on CBS, that when they put out this statement yesterday with the Brennan stuff, um, it had, um, it was exactly as she read it, except the date at the top was July 26. Mm-hmm. And somebody pointed this out, so they released the statement word right. for word with a date August 15 at the top of it. So it does seem that they were holding this a little while for the right time to drop it. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe people were trying to get him not to do it. Um, you know, we know that happens. Uh yeah. There are people who try to tell Donald Trump no. There are fewer and fewer of those people. Yes, I think. <laughs> yes, they keep <laughs> right. getting fired <laughs> no. or leaving. Yeah. Now then, uh, we we it was not just John Brennan. They said, okay, but we're warning the rest of you. We're going to come after you too, or we could come after you. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders reading the list of people who may be next to lose their security clearance. Here she goes. James Clapper, James Comey, Michael Hayden, Sally Yates, Susan Rice, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and Bruce Orr. Yeah. Now, these are not the people getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom this year. Not from this president. No. (laughs) They may be all front runners for the next president. (laughs) So what is this, the purge, Ray? Well, I mean, it's very reminiscent of Nixon's enemies list, which came out during the Watergate scandal. I think every one of these people will view it as a badge of honor. Um, I don't think people who are not, you know, devotees of President Trump believe that this is wrong. Um, these people haven't violated any kind of security clearance. They're not a security risk. You know, they're a risk to the president. He doesn't like them. He doesn't like what they say. That's not going to stop them from saying it. I mean, these these people, and I know a couple of them personally, but I don't know any of them well, it wasn't that long ago. They were the top people in government with the most sensitive, highly critical national security jobs. Right, Michael I mean, Hayden. Michael yeah. Hayden. I mean, I used to. I've met. I did meet him once. I was in awe of him. I didn't. Right. I was afraid of what I was going to say because you know I could make some mistake or something. I, didn't, I don't know. I was literally a powerful job like that. James Clapper. James Clapper. The same. Yeah. I mean, both of them have been head of the NSA. And head of another intelligence agency, in Hayden's case, the CIA, Clapper, ODNI. Um, these are serious people who have prospered in administrations of Republicans and Democratic presidents. Yeah, a quick, a quick little story. So Tucker Carlson and I were doing a debate, a dog and mm-hmm. pony show, in New York in front of some group of uh, investors, right. you know, some security, one of the big banks up there. And Dr. Hayden, Michael Hayden, was the speaker ahead of us. Uh, and so we come up. And we shook hands with him, and then we took our place on the stage. And he sat there during our debate. I was nervous as hell. <laughs> the president of the United States had been there. I would not right. have been as nervous because I thought, what am I going to say? That, that, right. That, that, that this guy's going to stand up and say, that's not true. Because I mean, we seriously. have this phone call of yours. No, no exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being so intimidated in his presence. Yeah. Right? So he's got this. Now, on the list, last one. Bruce Orr. Who the hell is Bruce Orr? He's an FBI official. I know very little about him. He's caught up in this whole Chris Steele dossier. His wife worked for GPS Fusion up until September 2016. So therefore, right? Um, 
Yeah, this mm-hmm. is a crazy conspiracy theory that every time anybody looks at it, it's proved not to be true. And, you know, these this is the world we live in now. Yeah, but particularly, it seems like the unforgivable sin, uh, and this is a segue maybe to Amorosa, is saying anything critical of the president of the United States. Absolutely. No. Now, we don't do what Vladimir Putin would do to those kind of people. Right. Yet. Yes. <laughs> Poison them in London. Stay away from London. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't go to London, whatever you do. Susan Rice, if you have any plans for London, stay out of London. Watch out for a guy with a poison-tipped umbrella. Oh, God. Yeah. But so there, <laughs> there is Amorosa, who um, we've got to say is no real genuine American hero, right? No. I mean, yeah. No, I mean this is like kind of like rooting for a side in the Iran Iraq war. I mean to some people, right? No, I think you're right. Yeah, you've got two people who don't have a lot. Neither one with a lot of credibility. Right, but he hired her repeatedly. The entire world. Who? I mean, I watched the first season of The Apprentice. She scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. I never would have hired her. He yeah. hired her again and again and again. Yeah, and gave yeah. her. Run to the White House, paid her top dollar. She would go down to the Pentagon and meet with people there. And she had them spun up about a variety of things. And it made a lot of people very uncomfortable. What happened, do we think? I mean, something happened to sour that relationship. Because she was there, you, as you point out, the first season of The Apprentice was 2004. Right. right. So she was there longer than anybody other, close to him, longer than Anybody other than Ivanka, his daughter. Right. So, you know, th- this was, th- each was using the other for sure, Correct. right? That's the kind of people that they are. Mm-hmm. But she hung in there knowing a lot about him for a long time. Right. So I mean, that's... she calls him now a racist, a misogynist, and a bigot. Did she just learn that? Right. You know, she was in the room when he said a lot of crazy stuff. Maybe he didn't say racist things to her, but she heard about them. She thought... You know, this is a great gig for me. I'm going to get a job at the White House. I'm going to have influence. You know, many people make that decision, make that trade off. And then she got fired by John Kelly, who, you know, looked around and said, doesn't make any sense for you to be in the White House. And that was one of the reasons why people thought that Kelly would do a good job as chief of staff, to mm-hmm. get rid of people who didn't belong there. Right. And so she got fired. And then tape the firing that happened in the White House Situation Room, which just blows which is, my mind, and uh, yeah, I, and I, is now you know playing that tape, and it seems authentic, and so that seems legitimate. Some of her stories about whether she heard a tape of Trump saying you know a racist slur, not so legitimate. It's hard to believe them, but she obviously taped a lot of things and was in a lot of places. The tape with Kelly sounds legitimate, and the tape with the four staff members on the campaign talking about how they're going to deal with this so-called tape, right? which nobody's heard yet. Right. Uh, that conversation sounds legitimate. Yeah. Look, so, if you've ever had a difficult boss, and I think we can agree that this president is a difficult boss, you talk amongst yourselves to try to cope. And I think there's a lot of that. And- we saw what happened during the campaign. That's why so many people thought he wasn't going to win. And so if you're a staffer trying to elect a president for whatever reason, you're going to have those kind of conversations. Do you believe that the president did not know Kelly was firing her? It's quite possible. 
Really? Yeah. I think there's a lot of things the president doesn't know. <laughs> well, that's for um, sure. He doesn't seem to have, you know, command over a lot of the details of legislation he talks about. And if you watch him at a, a pool spray or before a meeting, you wonder what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's reflected by comments from members of Congress who leave these meetings. We're right. not making it up. They, and, they say that. And cabinet members. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right. Um Back to what you said about the Situation Room. I, like you, I mean, I've been there once when I was just, not for a meeting, when I was just being shown around the White House. Um, It's like the most secure place on the planet. Yeah. Why would they have this conversation in the Situation Room? Why wouldn't he fire her just in his office? I mean, this was not a matter of national security, firing Amorosa. And then who has access to that? I mean, what does it say about the security at the White House that she was able to do that recording? Uh, I don't well, I don't know, you know, how the protocols for that. Maybe it's just an extra room unless it's being used as the situation room. Hey, we'll come over here and we'll do this. It seems unlikely, but I don't really know. Um, and he probably didn't want to do it in his office because people would notice. So he mm-hmm. wanted to take her yeah, somewhere right. where people wouldn't notice. And I think... You know, based strange, on strange, though. Yeah, but what I heard is he was trying to do it in a sympathetic, civilized way, knowing he's dealing with a difficult and volatile employee. Right. Who might do what she's doing now? Exactly. Write a book and tell everybody about it. <laughs> right. And record it. <laughs> so, um, Hogan Gridley, Deputy Press Secretary, mm-hmm. yesterday said he's never seen a non-disclosure agreement at the White House. Kellyanne Conway says everybody signed one, and Amorosa said everybody signed one. I mean, are, do, do they exist? What do we know? Do they exist, and are they? do they mean anything? Not for a White House employee. You can't get... They, they don't work for the president. They work for the taxpayers. They're paid with our money. You know, you can't do an NDA to keep that stuff secret. You know, you can get other things secret. You can classify conversations and all of that. But the day-in, day-out activities of the White House cannot be covered by an NDA, and I think most legal scholars agree with that. Now, the campaign might be a different thing. And I know that the campaign went after Omarosa for, you know, saying, talking about what happened during the campaign. And if she signed an NDA relative to that, she may be, you know, legally liable for it. Right. Um, the, the businesses can do this, right? right? Sure. The campaign could do this. Right. Uh, but I think you're right about people who work for the government. And the White House, in response, has said, oh, no, there are all kinds of people who agree that they're not going to talk about certain things that they know. Well, but they're talking about people with a security clearance. Correct. If you work. And that uh, is covered, right? right? National security issues are definitely covered. Oh, if you work for the CIA and you want to write a book, you got to get it cleared by the CIA. Yeah, right. And if you're at the White House, on national, like member of the national security ad- advisors team, and you have a national security, you can't go out and talk about. No, you can't write about top secret information. Right. Like if you but, were part of the Obama administration involved in a Bin Laden raid, you can yeah. talk about some of that stuff, but you can't say. And we had X Y Z intelligence from these places. Right. Well, my point is that's different from. This day to day, yes, I can't, I, I can't criticize yes. anybody and any member of the president's family for the rest of my days. Right they're now. they're trying to obfuscate. They're trying to you know shade the issue. Right. Um, so it's not just uh, Republicans that say dumb things. Yesterday we heard uh, a leading Democrat say something I thought was uh, pretty dumb. Um, 
up in New York State last night at some uh, gathering. Uh, we've had a chance to hear this or not. This is, and the president certainly picked up on it, Governor Andrew Cuomo. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. <laughs> we have not reached greatness. What the hell was he doing? You could hear the crowd kind of doesn't know how to react. Uh, they sort of laugh, and then you hear them say, mm. And then it fades to booze. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did he have a stroke? I mean, <laughs> just, uh, it sounds like he <laughs> lost train of thought. Um, and then doesn't know how to recover. Oh, huh? I don't know what I just said here. You know, it was dumb. And... You know, Governor Cuomo is a volatile person, sometimes in the mold of uh, our current president, and he says things that aren't necessarily wise to say, and this is one of those things, and he's going to get pounded for it. I think it's illustrative of the fact that while 2020 is, like, wide open and there are a myriad of Democrats who are looking at it um, and— and both parties usually say, let's go to one of our top governors, right? That's where we really do well. Mm -hmm. I have not seen one list that has Andrew Cuomo's name on it. No. No, I think everybody looks at stuff like this and what they know about him, you know, as a cabinet official, as a New York politician, as governor, and says, uh, this is too much baggage for us. And I think they're right. You know, I don't think he's got a shot. Uh, you you may know, and I excuse you if you don't, because mm -hmm. I didn't know. But C, so CNN this morning has a list of the twenty. They call them the power list, power, 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 ranking, power uh -huh. ranking yeah. of candidates for twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. Again, Andrew Cuomo is not on the list, but the last name on the list is a guy named. And of course, all the names you and I would right. think of, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, right. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, dot, 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 Cory Booker, last name on the list, Steve Bullock. Oh, the governor of Montana. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I tell you, <laughs> if, if this were the cocktail party, man, I would not know. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, governor of Montana. You know, I mean, why how? not? Well, you why know? not? Well, That's a hard state to win in as a Democrat, harder and harder, you know. Uh, you know, Brian Schweitzer, the former governor of Montana, had who was some, thinking about running right, for president. You know, and he did well there. Yes, I think he yes. kind of short circuited, but right. Um, Sadly, because he was a he was a fun guy. Yeah. He was a guest on our show many times. Why not? You know, I mean, I think uh, people like that help the Democratic Party, even as it's changing demographically and moving somewhat leftward. Uh, guys like that, you know, have a shot and they bring something to the debate. Well, John Tester, for example, I think right. is one of the best senators, right? From, yeah. And, and certainly fits that, fits that state. It's just whether, what do they have? Two, three electoral votes? I'm not really sure. It's they not three. Oh, three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was just there a few weeks ago. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a great base to start with, right? I didn't see a lot of people <laughs> in Montana. <laughs> a lot of cows? A lot. I didn't even see many of those. I saw a lot of wide open space, a lot of big sky. It has that name for a reason. Yeah, the big sky yeah. state, right? Yeah. Anyhow, I'm going to have to look at uh, look up this uh, Steve Bullock. Um, there are other potential. Jay Inslee from Washington right. State does make some lists. Some talk about 
Terry McAuliffe from Virginia. Look, you've been a governor of a state, you know, and there aren't many Democratic governors right now. That gets you on the list. Um, you're, if you, you're going to be a governor of a state, like Gavin Newsom seems to be gov- going to be governor of California, that gets you on the list. Now, he will have very little time to get anything done in Sacramento if he runs for governor. I mean, he runs for president. But that puts you on the list. It puts you on the list, and it doesn't stop you. Uh, I was there right. in 1976. He had been governor for one year when my boss, Governor Jerry Brown, <laughs> yeah. announced for president of the United States. And won a bunch of primaries, too. <laughs> he did. One yeah. of, one of, I was out there on the yeah. campaign trail with him, won a bunch of primaries. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gavin Newsom on that mm-hmm. list a year from now. Yeah. Uh, and and I know he'd love to be there. <laughs> oh yeah, I think so. I think he's been. I think they've been circling could, that date for a long time. You could see that. Move over, Kamala. Right. The new man in town. Right. Well, they obviously <laughs> made a deal for him to run for governor this year and for her to run for senator. They did. in 2016. I don't think the deal went so far as to say only one of us will run for president. Right. And you got to think when is your time. If you are an ambitious Democratic politician who wants to run for president. I mean, obviously, people told Barack Obama, don't run in 2008. You have plenty of time. Did he? You know, I mean, look at Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio, I, you know, some people thought that he was going to run for president too early. But he went for it in 2016. And that was probably his shot. Because now, when, what does he do? He can't run in two years. Does he run in four more years? So you know how this goes. Oh, yeah. You have a time, and every politician knows when his her t- or her time is. Right. Um, yeah, I have that theory about Elizabeth Warren's time, too. I thought her time was 2016, and she chose not to run. Right. And Bernie chose to run. And yeah. I think uh, it's, it's going to be—I love her, but I think it's going to be difficult for her this time. I think she could have taken his energy and some of the— woman supporters from Hillary, and mm-hmm. uh, would have been a really tough race. Right. Ray Locker with us from USA Today, and we continue to uh, take a quick break, but we'll be back. Alice Olstein joins us from Talking Points Memo. Uh, c- catch up with, uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, those things we haven't gotten to yet, we'll catch up with Alice and Ray Locker on the other side of the break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. your radio, on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show. And here we are on a Thursday, Thursday, uh, August 16. It is The Bill Press Show. Great to see you today. Thanks so much for climbing on board here as we join out to join you all across this great land of ours from our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the Laborers International Union of North America, Building a Better America. That's their website, Layuna, Layuna. Labor's International Union of North America, LiunaBuildsAmerica.org, under the leadership of President Terry O'Sullivan. Check it out. We thank them for their good support of the program. Ray Lockyer from um, Lockyer, rather, sorry, from I'm thinking of Bill Lockyer, who is yes, Attorney the General in California. In California, when I lived there. Ray Lockyer from uh, USA Today. Here's a friend of Bill. The entire hour, we're joined uh, by Alice Olstein from Talking Points Memo. Hey, Alice, good to see you. Thank you. Good to as be here. Well. Right. And um, you've been out on the road, on the front, particularly looking at Medicaid issues. Um, what some of the states are trying to do is saying, 
If you don't have a job, you can't get Medicaid, right? Yes. Um, and it's been a huge push of the Trump administration and something that has been a major priority of the Department of Health and Human Services. And so far, they've approved four states to implement rules saying if you're not employed, you can't get Medicaid. And there was a lawsuit in Kentucky, which was the first state to get approved. And that lawsuit got a federal judge to strike down the rules, send them back to HHS for reconsideration. Now some of the same groups have sued in Arkansas that was just filed this week. And so the groups there are hoping for a similar result. Um, and yes, saying that this was never Congress's original intent for the Medicaid program. It wasn't supposed to be a work program. There's nothing in the law that says anything about having to work. And you can't just add new eligibility requirements on top of what Congress wrote that's overstepping the executive power and hurting people who are low income and need health care. Right. This is echoes of the old uh, Ronald Reagan welfare work yes, definitely. Uh, requirement. Oh, huh? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, there are a lot of people who don't make a lot of money who do work, yes. who don't have access to some of these programs and resent the people who do. And that's understandable. But the fact is that when you expand <laughs> Medicaid, you're getting health care to a lot of people who don't have it. And that makes some of these people able to work. For example, we yeah. reported on... Mm -hmm. Folks who now, because they're on Medicaid, have access to better, better dental care. They can right. get teeth that they weren't able to get before. Mm -hmm. When they have teeth, they can get a job. Right. That's not anything that we think about. But it's something that is a problem for a lot of people, particularly in, like, Kentucky and some of those states. It's pretty basic, right? Very I mean, basic. And think there, about there's it. just yeah. no evidence that requiring people to work results in more people actually working when similar rules were implemented for TANF and other welfare programs, it did not increase employment. There's a lot of data on that. There's not data on Medicaid because this is a totally new frontier in the 50 plus history, uh, 50 year plus history of Medicaid. This has never been allowed before the Trump administration. But to your point, there are people who work who still can't afford health care. Right. Or health insurance, or, right? And so. Well, that was one of the fundamental things about the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. yes. which is under siege you know, from this administration, which they would admit they're doing it on purpose, the president has. So, yeah, I mean, there's people who need health care. If you're healthy, you can work. I mean, I think that's been one of the fundamental beliefs about this debate in a long, for a long time. And the majority of people on Medicaid are employed. Um, what's at issue here that the, the legal groups have, have noted in the lawsuit is that the burden of documenting all of your hours and submitting them to the state for verification is such a burden for low-income people who may have limited literacy or limited access to transportation or in or the, the case lawyers. of Arkansas. <laughs> so Arkansas, unlike all the other states, says you can only submit your work hours online Coincidentally, Arkansas also has the second worst rate of home Internet access in the country. So it's a major barrier for people. And um, the rules were implemented in June. And already the, the majority, more than 80 percent of the people who were supposed to submit their work hours online failed to do so. And they could lose their Medicaid if, um, if they fail to do so three months in a row. States do this on purpose. When I worked in Sacramento for the Associated Press, when we had budget crisis there or in the last decade, you change requirements for these programs with the understanding that people will not fulfill those requirements and they will drop from the rolls and you'll save money. It's hard to keep track of all that stuff if you don't have a computer. Mm -hmm. If you're you know, basically on the edge of your existence 
And we don't understand that because we don't live that way. We're lucky enough that we don't. Right. But you know, if you know people like that and you talk to them, you know that's a problem. Another issue is that there's a strict 80 hours a month to qualify under these rules. Mm-hmm. And a lot of work is very seasonal and fluctuates. Agriculture work, for instance, that's big in Arkansas. Or even retail, you know, it picks up during the holidays. You work more hours, you work less hours. To have just a flat, you know, bar for every single month is not taking into account the nature of how a lot of people work today. How many states do we have now that have not expanded Medicaid? There's, it's in the teens, I believe. Yeah. yeah. 15 or 18. Yeah, like although that. several are putting it on the ballot for November. And so that's another big thing to watch. Um, referendum, even though, uh, so Maine was the first state to approve Medicaid expansion by ballot initiative, and the governor said not so fast and has been stonewalling it this entire time. Yeah, well, he's termed out, so that could exactly. change. Exactly. And in Kansas, the legis- the Republican-dominated legislature mm-hmm. passed expansion. It was vetoed by the previous governor, Sam Brownback, who now is a Trump administration appointee. Mm-hmm. And they have an election coming up, and if things change there, that could happen again. Yeah. Did Jeff Collier before? I mean, he's still the governor, right, until November. He's still the governor until November. Until the end of the year, I guess. Mm -hmm. But he he didn't get the bill again to mm -hmm. sign or not sign. Right. Um, So, by the way, you mentioned about Medicaid. One of the governors Mm -hmm. that did expand Medicaid, Mm -hmm. uh, Republican governors, was Mm -hmm. John Kasich. Yes. And by the way, when you look at the Medicaid deal under Obamacare, it's a hard deal to turn down. Yeah. I mean, it's basically it's free. a lot of federal money. Like free for the first five years or something, and then still the fe- federal government picks up. 90%. 90%, right? So I can see Kasich saying, hey, there are a lot of people in my state who need this. We're going to benefit from it. It's not going to cost me anything. That's exactly what he did say. You know, uh, and he told people, look, I don't want to go down in history as somebody to deny people health care. And what is very expensive for states is having a lot of uninsured people in the state going to the emergency room and not being able to pay. Right. Um, The uncompensated care, you know, is a huge, huge burden for states. And that's factoring into a different lawsuit that was just filed recently. Four states are suing sorry, cities, are suing the Trump administration over um, all of these uh, attacks on the Affordable Care Act, saying it's hurting their their city's bottom line. Yeah, I, I forget the exact number, but I just recently did an appearance in front of the, Ameri- uh, the California Hospital Association. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in California, the number of families that are covered by, it's called Medi-Cal mm-hmm. in California, is uh, astounding. Yes. I mean, it's right. really big. And of course, they're sort of a... That's not the only issue where they're at war with the Trump administration, Mm -hmm. but they're saying, no, you're not going to take that away from us. We're going to continue this program. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people in California and a lot of poor people in California, and they need that. Mm -hmm. Don't think of that. So back to Kasich. With that issue or other issues, uh, there's always a political aspect of this. Do you think Kasich is going to challenge Trump in in the primary in 2020? Probably not. Really, I, you know, I don't see his opening. You know, where's the money? Where's the support? But it depends on what happens in November. <coughs> if there's a huge blowout and people turn on the president, which they may very well do, then he might go for it. Um, 
you know, because they'll make the calculation that this is not winnable for if us. If the, the Trump magic, right, is not good for the Republican Party, mm-hmm. then that's his opening, maybe, is that what you're saying? That's Although right. there are other anti-Trump Republicans that might be vying Name for that one. role. Name one. I mean, <laughs> Flake has been, you know, marching around to some of those early primary states, making Corker, a little noise. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, Flake more than Corker, I think, yeah. in terms of fire in the belly. Right. But uh, I think Flake has been um, too slow to step up in some cases. Or, well, or to thing, act to act to do anything, he does talk. But but the thing is, point. he believes in a yeah. lot of the things that are happening. He likes yes. tax cuts. Yeah, he likes, you know, Neil Gorsuch and mm-hmm. Brett Kavanaugh. And so for him to say, "Well, I'm going to all of a sudden oppose these people," would <coughs> be inconsistent and probably wrong for him. He just doesn't like the way that this president behaves and what he does. To my knowledge, uh, and this is sort of related. I only heard you mention Jeff Flake. Other than Jeff Flake, I didn't hear any other Republican, tell me if I'm wrong, in the House or the Senate, come stand, stand up and say, calling any woman a dog is not worthy of the president of the United States. Did you? What you, what you hear a lot in Congress, when, as I do, you go stand in the hallway and try to grill them as they come by. But is, on this point yesterday, yes, exactly. no, I didn't hear one person no. come forward. They I may mean, have been on vacation. That doesn't excuse them. <laughs> well, the Senate's here. The House is out. Yeah, but even at the House, if there, yeah. if there were something big that they wanted to talk about. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they don't want to talk about anything the president says or tweets. <laughs> so what does that say about the Republican Party today? Well, it says that they have an agenda that they're using this president to fulfill in some ways, and they're hoping for the best. And meanwhile, they'll put up with this other stuff, right? They're going to let him talk and act like he's not talking. Um, look, his own administration does that. He says these things, and then you you know, you know see the Secretary of Defense or the Secretary of State doing something that's totally opposite, saying something that just contradicts the tweet or with a statement they're acting like he's not really there, and they're humoring him. Look, we've seen it happen before. People did that in the Nixon administration, less obviously. I mean, what was the thing with LeBron James? I mean, his own yeah. wife trolled him. He criticizes LeBron James, calls him an idiot, and then she says, I want to go visit his school within hours. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know? And that just kind of, like, happened and disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like everything, it yes, does. yeah, no. There's always something new, right? I just, I just find that the um, the lack of backbone on the part of some of these Republicans. I think they're afraid of him politically. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, look at his impact in Republican primaries. Yeah, Mark Sanford, Kobach. Yeah, on the other side, right? <laughs> right. Supporting, I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's taken some people out. I mean, look, Sanford was an iffy representative. Um, for a variety of reasons, did he really have his head in the game? But, you know, a two-term governor, mm-hmm. yeah, he had oh, yeah. a lot going for him, and he got beat. Right. People mm-hmm. look at that go, ah, no, not me. No. I'm yeah, not losing I mean, my career this you're way. You're right. With all of his problems, he was able to come back, got right. elected to Congress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. He was sort of a middle, moderate, middle-of-the-road Republican who— In this Congress, yes. In this Congress. Remember yeah, when right. he was a crazy man oh, or yeah. a super conservative <laughs> in the Gingrich right. Revolution? And the you other know? case, of course, is Florida with Ron DeSantis. Yes, yeah. Right. Where his Fox News buddy, right, and he intervenes in a, which is unusual for a president, against in a, a Republican primary against Adam Putnam, yeah. former so, representative, statewide elected official, by all accounts, a conservative person mm-hmm. um, 
who a lot of people thought was going to be their guy, and then now he's getting vaporized. Um, you know, and I remember when Putnam got elected to the legislature when he was 22 years old when I worked in Tampa. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a serious, thoughtful person. Um, I mean, Ron DeSantis is no idiot. I mean, he's obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he's well-educated. He sticks to the president, and I, it's working for him. But, uh, you know, to take sides in that primary, most most presidents would not do that. Um, I hate to jump in with breaking news, but I just noticed a headline on Fox News, of all places, Fox and Friends, uh, that they just recorded the first shark attack in Cape Cod since 2012. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, watch out. <laughs> Where's Roy Scheider? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Fox and Friends was we... a thing with sharks. There, right. there was a, John Oliver did a funny compilation of how often they talk about sharks. It's apparently quite frequent. Where? You mean? On Fox and Friends. Oh, on Fox and Friends? Yes, oh, really? apparently yeah. they have a, oh. somewhat of a shark obsession. Oh, I so. didn't realize that. I, got, I just Yet got another caught. Example. They just got, they just smagged me. They're running out of distractions. They have to turn to the ocean. <laughs> I was going to say, is this another Sarah? If Sarah Huckabee Sanders starts the briefing today, starting talking about shark attacks, <laughs> then we'll know. Oh, I don't think there's a briefing <laughs> scheduled yet. So, but if oh, they put no, one on there, you know, there's never one scheduled this no. early. No, they, mm-hmm. they they wait until <laughs> middle of the morning. Yes, <laughs> uh, middle of the morning to schedule it. Uh, CBS, CNN has a, a poll out this morning. Uh, Asking, it's conducted by SSRS. I don't know the name of that other than SSRS. Mm-hmm. But um, so, who do you prefer? Who would you prefer to take over control of the Congress uh, this year? Fifty-two percent say Democrats. Forty-one percent say Republicans. That's probably the biggest gap we've seen so far. Is that national? National. Yeah. Right. Is that the way it's going to happen, play out? What do you guys think? Well, you know, these things always change, and uh, right. I'm and, and and we know that the national generic poll yes. doesn't right. mean that much when you go right. district by district by right. district. Right. But the in in all of these special elections, even the ones Republicans have won, there's been a pretty consistent point swing from 2016, and Big if time. that point swing holds, the Democrats are well on their way to taking back the House. The Senate is a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, an 11-point difference, if that holds, that's huge, um, and yeah. that's a wave. That's a big wave. Um, you won't see the swing in seats that you did in 2010 because so many of them are hard to win because they've been gerrymandered so well. Um, but, no, that's that seems real. I mean, there was another one that had it at 9. It was a Quinnipiac poll mm-hmm. had it at 9 yesterday. Uh, for the middle of August with all this stuff happening, that seems pretty real. And so, you know... When Especially with a, an economy that's doing pretty well. That's, I think, very significant. Yeah, 3.9% <laughs> unemployment. Look, in 2010, yeah. mm-hmm. we were coming out of the economic crisis. People were wondering, you know, where are the results? What's happening? And they really weren't there yet. You mm-hmm. could see they were on the horizon, but they hadn't come. So you expect that to happen. Um now, I mean, things <clears throat> relatively on paper look great. Mm-hmm. And so it's a commentary on how, you know, President Trump behaves and what people think about that. And like you said, the Congress not really stepping up to be a check on the administration. Right. Um, your point about the enthusiasm gap, which is what I kind of referred mm-hmm. to, it is true. In these districts, particularly these red districts, even where Republicans have, have managed to hold on to a district, mm-hmm. The turnout among Republicans, I mean, among the, mm-hmm. on the left, has been 
off the charts. Off yes, the charts. I we saw that this week in Wisconsin and some other states for R- sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I was at the briefing the other day when uh, the day that President uh, Trump called Omarosa a dog and congratulated General Kelly for firing that dog. Uh, and the defense we heard was, well, the president was just expressing his frustration. Um, or, you know, he always fights fire with fire. But the right. other one, you could expect it, was it's the media's fault that if we didn't give her a platform, if we weren't giving her so much attention, then the president wouldn't feel compelled to talk about her. Which, So I, what I'm getting to is there's no nothing that happens that somehow Donald Trump cannot convert that into an attack on the media. Are these attacks on the media having any impact, and are they something we ought to be worried about? Uh, no one likes to do their job and feel like they're being attacked for doing their job. Um, you know, I work with people who are from all across the ideological spectrum. You talk to them and you realize, hey, everybody has a different feeling about things. Uh, everybody I know and I work with does a good job and they do stories that help people, that expose problems. That Are they help. all Democrats? What, the people I work with? I have no idea. Um, I don't ask. And uh, and I never would ask. But, but that's an important point. I think everybody sort of assumes, if you listen to Donald Trump, that everybody working for any news organization, any TV station, radio station, or newspaper, or wire service, or whatever is a liberal Democrat. It's just not true. I mean, I have a colleague who, and I won't name him because I don't want to call him out, but he has two sons in military academies who are in the military. I have, a, you know, other colleagues the same who have, you know, left and they're serving this country in the U.S. military. They're Marines. They're sailors. You know, uh, I don't think anybody gives them an ideological test for doing that. These are people who believe in that. I, you know, worked with people who are veterans, um, who expose problems that help people of all ideological persuasions. I think the press is in a really tough spot, especially the political press and especially the White House press corps, because if you engage in this back and forth and and try to defend ourselves against every attack from this administration that's somewhat playing into it and it's distracting from our actual job, which is you know, exposing the facts <laughs> and bringing things to light and drawing connections and helping explain things and making policies real for people. And so I think that's why I think it was Marty Baron uh, at The Washington Post who said, we're not at war, we're at work. I, I think that he yeah. summed it up perfectly. And yeah. so there's an attitude that we should just ignore it and just do our job. The question is, is that effective? Is there some role uh, well, for pushing back or speaking It's hard up. to ignore yes. when you're at a rally with the president of the United States and whipping up a angry mob against whipping you. Up an yeah. angry not mob against you. Yes. Yeah. Right. I think I don't know whether your reporters have security when they go to these rallies. Oh, no. I, I was mean, at some campaign, campaign rallies that yeah. got a little hairy. Yeah. Oh, look, a lot of this is like pro wrestling. <laughs> You know, they yell at you and then they go over and they take, you know, you take a oh, selfie oh. with them. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I look, I've been in places where I've been in rooms of hostile people who have been mad at me for something that I've written. And it's not pleasant. It's scary. And you have to use your ability to explain to people and talk your way out of it. And, uh, you know, it's very unsettling and no one likes it. And what 
makes it hard is there are some things that are just obviously not true that he says. You know they're not true because you can find the video of him saying the exact opposite in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's your job to tell people it's not true. <laughs> you know, and I've also been in places where everybody is, you know, far on the left and they blame the media for blowing things out of proportion mm-hmm. or not covering mm-hmm. it. And, you know, in one of these sessions, I said to the person who told well, how did you find out about this thing that we're not covering? You read <laughs> yes. about it. On, online in one of our publications. So, you know, look, the reason you know about these things is because we're doing our jobs and we're going to keep doing our jobs. And, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't get to the point where it's like Russia and you do a story and you get killed. I don't think it's going to be that way. But, you know, look, we've added security, um, mm-hmm. not physical people, but we've done things to make ourselves safer, hopefully. Uh, I don't like it because I don't feel safer when that happens. Yeah, you know, I just want to mention the Boston Globe last week said, you know, what you ought to do is support your local papers, right? Because they're out right. there telling the truth and they need help and they're dying. And the New York Times picks it up this morning, joins the crusade sort of. Their entire editorial page is a list of all small, a lot of small papers, I'm sure not all, right. around the country. And just say, hey, subscribe to your local paper. That's one thing you can Absolutely. do. Yeah. Just, you know, keep the free press going. Uh, and he, and they and they say here, praise them when you think they've done a good job, criticize them when you think they could have done better. We're all in this together. Absolutely. Amen. You know, Amen. look, I th- we're at fault for this. I mean, in a lot sure. of ways, we, we gave away our product and we got people used to getting it for free, and now we're trying to scratch our way back, and it's hard. With that, Ray Locker, thanks for coming in. My USA pleasure. USAToday.com and TalkingPointsMemba.com. Thanks, Alice. Thanks so much. Have a great day, folks. This See you tomorrow. is The Bill Press Show.